Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. Which you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to War Room Pandemic live here from Capitol Hill. In Washington, D.C. It is not getting any milder here in Washington, D.C., by the way. It's still scorching hot, which I absolutely loathe because I insist on wearing a jacket every day. Unlike unlike the other reprobates here in the war room, some of us have to have to, you know, pull the side up. Right. Sartorially. We're on the John Fredericks Radio Network. We're on a Newsmax uh, later on. Blown through the CCP's firewall, subtitled in Mandarin by G News and GTV. And also, of course, on America's Voice. And uh, we are awaiting, I believe, this morning, gentlemen, the announcement from Joe Biden of who his vice presidential candidate is going to be. I want to open with that before we take it around back to back to the the war zones across America at the moment. Just just a little bit of, you know, intrigue that's been going on overnight. Vish, tell us what what happened on Twitter last <laughs> night so the post millennial uh publishes a um a note last night ba- saying that kamala harris had unfollowed joe biden on twitter is that a fake out though i mean it could be but there was also if you remember yesterday's drudge mac daddy was willie brown's piece uh how am oh, i gonna that's read right. how am i gonna know actually... what drudge's mac daddy is when i don't read drudge <laughs> no that's right nobody nobody who matters reads drudge anymore so i get that's i understand why that. that's why i do <laughs> i do all the grundoon work here so um Drudge's Mac Daddy yesterday was a, a piece from Willie Brown uh, basically addressing Kamala and saying, you shouldn't take the VP pick. You should hold out for attorney general. So then hours later, this unfollow happens. And not only that, there were some Twitter folks yesterday pointing out that a private plane had taken off from South Bend, Indiana and landed in Wilmington, Delaware yesterday. Very interesting. Jack, any thoughts on this as we await the announcement? Well, you know, I think she should have taken Willie's advice, you know. I mean, he, he, he really started her career, so he's had her best interests at heart of for course. years, let's Raheem. Keep it, let's, keep it, let's keep it PG. Uh, but listen, I'd like to go back, if you guys don't mind, I want to go back to hammering Nancy Pelosi here on You're China. You're always welcome to hammer Nancy okay? Pelosi on China. Because here's something that can be illustrative for every one of our audience. We remember that the Chinese protester movement leadership was arrested over the weekend. One of them was Jimmy Lai. Jimmy Lai owns Apple Media in Hong Kong. Now, Jimmy Lai came to the United States last October to meet with our elected representatives, one of whom he went to meet was with Nancy Pelosi. Can we put that tweet up on the screen from October 22nd? 
Nancy Pelosi writes, so pleased to welcome Jimmy Lai, Martin Lee, and Janet Pang to the U.S. Capitol. My full support and admiration goes to those who have taken to the streets week after week in nonviolent protests to fight for democracy and the rule of law in Hong Kong. Mm. Also, Nancy Pelosi has basically made her entire career being the weeping hag over Tiananmen Square. Every June 4th, she puts up a heartfelt message to the world about how she stands with the Chinese students and the victims of CCP oppression. Now, one thing I find very, very interesting, everybody from Tom Cotton, Marco Rubio, Pence, Pompeo, every member of the Republican leadership has put out a statement of support for Jimmy Lai. Guess where we have total silence, both in our press releases both in her Twitter page. You see this with that throughout the Democratic leadership. Let's be clear. They want Biden and they want to maintain this quizzling relationship with the Chinese. Nancy Pelosi is should be on a minstrel show. She is not somebody who is anybody that we can trust. She's like vaudeville here every single night with this woman. I would probably say Kabuki theater, but uh, you know I digress. Uh, also, if you've noticed, uh, in the last, I believe, 48 hours, uh, the Chinese government has sanctioned five lawmakers in the U.S. I don't believe any of them are Nancy Pelosi. So, right. <laughs> I don't know. I think how. I mentioned that yesterday, yeah. right? Yeah. The most hated woman in America, <laughs> according to Nancy, is her belief that the in Chinese China. party hates her more than anyone. Yet no sanctions for Nancy. Do we notice? No sanctions. Not a single well, word of support of for Jimmy Lai. Well, you know why I'm a mean girl? Because I, I hate hypocrisy and I see people like Dr. Yan on here, this magnificent woman of total courage, and this should inspire all of us. And then you see Jimmy Lai, again, another man of total and absolute courage. I was looking into some stuff about Jimmy Lai yesterday, and I was absolutely touched. Jimmy Lai got involved in this whole process right after the Tiananmen Square massacres. He changed his business focus to media away from apparel so that he didn't have to deal with the communist mainland China. I mean, he said this in 1989 of the Tiananmen Square massacre, and it complies with everything he says today. I cried every day. I'm lost in it. Us Chinese, we are like the Jews. We are waiting for a Messiah. The students are our Messiah. He said that he used to make money just for the sake of money. But now, this is in 1989, I make money with an ideal. That ideal is freedom. Jimmy Lai has been on the lines for 31 years, putting his neck on the line. Nancy Pelosi, she's been on a stage jawboning for 31 years. Nancy, what are you going to do today about Hong Kong and to free the Chinese people? Enough talk. Action, action, action. Fiery, fiery, fiery. Jack Maxey's fired up this morning. Um, But she's not going to do anything, right? That's the point. So we can scream until we're blue in the face, but the point is she's not going to do anything. She's perfectly safe. She'll likely remain Speaker of the House after this after November. So the point is what about? I mean, how do we? My question is, how do we get around the 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 blockage that is Nancy Pelosi in this scenario? Do you know how we get around it? The whole world is awakening to the idea that this conflict 
whether it's kinetic or not, with the Communist Chinese Party, is a moral conflict. This is a fight between light and darkness. I ask everybody out there to patrol your own conscience and decide who do you want to be, a Chamberlain or a Churchill? The obviousness of the evil nature of this regime is for everybody to see. The Border Patrol seized 17 tons of human hair from Uyghurs in concentration camps, people. Never again start acting like it. And the people outside the war room can hear as well uh, without having to tune in. Right, Joe, uh, we'll get back to this in in the C&D blocks of this hour. But I want to go to Joe Biden because Joe Biden... Um, is going to be announcing, is supposed to be announcing, wasn't it already supposed to have happened, supposed to be announcing his vice presidential pick this morning, and we're, we're obviously waiting uh, for that moment with, with bated breath. So the favorites we're looking at, so maybe not so much Kamala Harris because of the of the, the, the mean girl and yeah. unfollow on Twitter. So who, who else are we talking about? And could, by the way, could they surprise us all with somebody way out from left field on this. So so there's actually there there's an there's an interesting corner that Joe Biden is backed into, right? If you remember a few months ago he said I'm going to pick a woman of color as right. as my VP. Then recently we Right, but then anybody I can identify as a woman of color now if I want. So <laughs> Buddha judge has got a chance. Okay, Elizabeth Warren. Anyway, uh we we Elizabeth Warren's still in the run. It is still a contender. Right. Uh we still have Susan Rice we still have Karen Bass. Uh, we have now Gretchen Whitmer also added to the fold uh, with the news of this supposed private plane taking off from South Bend to Wilmington. Pete Buttigieg is also, I guess, a contender. Um, I'm, 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 it would be really interesting to see which way uh, Biden goes. I, would, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he forgot his pledge earlier this year and then goes and picks a Whitmer for electoral advantage right to lock down michigan that's a possibility um he could be uh, he could make a, a serious pander to the far to to the left of his party with a selection of karen bass um but there's i th- i think you know if if he's going to drop his pledge Buttigieg might be an interesting pick for Look, him if he's gonna he's gonna surely most likely he's gonna do the completely predictable thing in this scenario they don't exactly um renegades when running these sorts of campaigns the democrat party very much doing things by the book and that's why we can often see what's coming next whether it's the cultural marxism stuff whether it's his tweets right let's take a tweet of joe biden's from oh uh, about two hours ago right quote i promise you if i'm elected i won't waste any time getting this virus under control i'll call dr fauci and ask him to stay on i'll bring together top experts and leaders from both parties to chart a path forward We'll get it done together. I mean, this is this is boilerplate, boring, um, generic. Uh, hold on. Let, I mean, let's unpack that tweet as if this is supposed to encourage some kind of inspiration amongst us. I promise you, if I'm elected, let's. Okay, so let's take that part. Promise, politician, Biden, Democrat, forty years, disregard. Okay, I won't waste any time getting this virus under control. Was that an allegation? Was somebody claiming that he would redecorate the Oval Office first? Did somebody say, oh, well, we truly expect Joe Biden to be elected and go on vacation? I mean, he's permanently on vacation, but that's not a that's not a that's a straw man that he's setting up there. And then 
I'll call Dr. Fauci and ask him to stay on. No, no. Dr. Fauci is already there. His job is already there. The media has been telling us for the last how long, Jack, that the president doesn't have it in him, uh, in, in his capabilities to fire Dr. Fauci. That's not within his gift. And Biden is saying, I will call him and ask him to stay on. Like, he, he's going to be there before you're going to be there, uh, Joe Biden. I'm pretty sure Fauci has been in D.C. as long as Biden, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I'll bring together the top experts and leaders from both parties. Okay, so I want to hear from Joe Biden. Who's the top expert from the Republican Party that he's going to bring on here? Because I bet you he couldn't even name one. I bet you he couldn't name a single Republican he'd like to bring in on this conversation. And this is what I mean about this Democrat Party. Because while it's radical and revolutionary out on the streets, it's boring, tepid, and bland in the tweets. And also in the sheets, yeah. like in, 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 in the, in, no, seriously, in the crux of what they do and who they are, they are so utterly predictable, which is, by the way, why I get so frustrated with our side time and time again for not seeing what's coming down the pipeline. Because if your job is, which it is, people in the White House and people on Capitol Hill and all the Republican consultants who are paid $650,000 a month or whatever your co lobbying contract says, it's your job to sit down and figure out where they're going next, and we always seem to miss something. And it's just supreme. If it was my, if you, hey, you want to give those six-figure contracts over? I'm all about it. Okay, but but Vish, I, aren't I, they going to just choose Susan Rice? Is my point. Uh, I I mean I I think that um, there is this sort of miscalculation, or or at the very least, there's just I I would say you know they're sitting on their hands uh, if. If I was if if I was the campaign right now, I would be making sure all of these people were defined and slaughtered out the gate, right? Uh, I don't really see so many efforts like that. Um, and honestly, I think there's also this this angle that uh, a bunch of black leaders actually had uh, uh, sent a uh, I think uh, signed a letter, including P Diddy, Charlemagne the God, uh, a lot of these cultural fo folks who do have some who do have sway amongst this community that said if Biden doesn't pick. A, a black female VP, we're gonna we're gonna burn this party to the ground. Yeah, well, which is why I think they just go for the predictable pick. And 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 we still have nothing to say about any of the folks that we can easily predict in such a scenario. I think uh, I think the campaign can do better. I reckon Joe Biden's waiting for war and pandemic to get off air to announce his pick because he knows that I've got the goods right in front of me here. 689 words on Susan Rice just waiting to be published on the National Pulse as soon as he announces it. I've got the CCPs in a pod ready and ready. I'm just, I want to press publish. Anyway, look, we'll come back in just a second. We'll talk more about TikTok in China with Natalie Winters. Vishbura, Jack Maxi. we'll be right back. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, 2020 has been a gut punch for American business, and if you're going to succeed, you need every possible advantage. NetSuite by Oracle, sponsor of this show, is the world's number one cloud business system. You can get your free guide right now at netsuite.com slash Bannon. That's netsuite.com slash Bannon. You're back in the war room without Bannon here for the second hour. He's let, he's let the boys play uh, for this second hour, but 
it wouldn't really be uh, a show without Natalie Winters on today. She's become a fan favorite in, on War Room Pandemic. And so we do, as you guys at home in the live chat on Twitter, want to break up the boys' chat. Natalie, welcome back to the show. And now she's not there. Natalie, do you hear us? Yes, I can hear you guys. Oh yeah! After all that, and and we, you know, we used to, we missed the we missed the thing. All right, Natalie, look, there's a lot uh, there's a lot to unpack here, um, especially as it, re- it pertains to Fareed Zakaria. People will know that I've mentioned Fareed a couple of times on this show before. We've certainly mentioned him in some National Pulse articles over the last couple of months. And really, I wanted to get into this because Fareed did a segment on Sunday morning. And we talked yesterday uh, about this letter that had been written by the CEO of ByteDance fawning before the Chinese Communist Party for making a mistake or having one of his apps do something that wasn't in line with uh, Chinese Communist Party diktats. And um, we got, actually, I think we've got breaking news here, uh, Natalie. We're just going to be checking on this right now because we're expecting the Joe Biden uh, VP announcement. And we are looking at what Kamala Harris maybe is the name that's coming up. Is that what we're hearing? We keep an eye on that. Natalie, I'll come back to you until we get confirmation on it. But it may be it may have been a fake out. Sure. Um, Natalie, Fareed Zakaria, <laughs> talk to us about this because he went on a monologue on Sunday morning and he did hit the Chinese Communist Party. He was critical of the Chinese Communist Party. But I kind of scratch and he did mention this letter, by the way. I went back yesterday and listened to it. He did actually mention the letter that I said that he hadn't mentioned. So forgive me, Mr. Zakaria, uh, and and, and consider this me correcting the record on that. But I want to make clear about something. This is a major hypocritical thing for him to be doing, because all the while he's telling his viewers that the Chinese Communist Party isn't the greatest in the world, and, and it's, you know, whatever kind of soft criticisms that he leveled at them on Sunday, and they were soft, and we'll play the clip when we get it up here, and they were soft, but they were still criticisms, so we want to give some credit. But Natalie, tell us a little more about why does Mr. Zakaria keep popping up in our CCP stories? Sure, well, there's a line that he concludes his tirade with, specifically, Quote, instead of China adopting the U.S. model, the United States is adopting the Chinese model. And frankly, that's just a blaring example of how outlets of the mainstream media, the CNN and Washington Post ilk, really are de facto spokespeople for the Chinese Communist Party. Specifically, Fareed Zakaria was a 2017 guest lecturer at Sinjua University's journalism school And again, even CNN has been listed as, quote, having a long history of cooperation with this institution in the form of providing sponsorships, equipment, etc. And if you dig down to what the school's explicit purpose is, as outlined by the school's dean, it's to fulfill the, quote, task for news media as outlined by the Central Committee of the CCP. Specifically, the, the introductory letter continues, quote, we should be committed to a firm and correct political orientation. Our school has been actively exploring the theory and practices of Marxist journalism, namely to applying the Marxist theory and observing the world, selecting and handling news production. There's also, a, a, frankly, a very concerning quote in the school, which again, Fareed Zakari and CNN have contributed and collaborated with, that they believe that their alumni should, quote, take a lead in public opinion, which is a very far cry from CNN's motto of being facts first. 
And also, uh, Zakaria even sits on the Berggruen Institute's 21st Century Council, which its sole purpose is to thwart the, quote, anti-globalization backlash that brought nationalists and populist movements to power in major countries, which is frankly undemocratic and more in line with the Chinese model. But Zakaria is actually listed alongside a plethora of high-ranking CCP apparatchiks as members of this council. Uh, specifically, one such member is Eric Lee, who penned an op-ed in Foreign Policy magazine, not just with this quote, but entitled, Xi Jinping is a good emperor. Uh, this, this institute also holds an annual, quote, Understanding China conference, which even Xi has attended. And again, just to, to speak to how CNN, uh, specifically Zakaria, saying that President Trump uh, in the United States is adopting the Chinese model, really is, is not even the pot calling the kettle black, but it's the pot calling the kettle red, because CNN has adopted China's ways in the fact that several former CNN anchors and reporters have actually gone on to work for state-run and registered foreign agent China Global Television Network, uh, which means that Zakaria's co-workers and former co-anchors are now literally on the payroll of the Chinese Communist Party. And even China Central Television and China Global Television Network have co-hosted a, quote, global media summit, of which not only did CNN and a bevy of other establishment American media outlets participate, participate but CNN actually uh, spoke, uh, sorry, anchors from CNN actually spoke at a, at a panel on, quote, media convergence. <laughs> they were the only American media outlet to be on that panel, and they appeared alongside state-owned media outlets, CGTN, Russia, to Russia Today, Al Jazeera, wow. and German state broadcaster, ARD. Wow, there's a lot there, clearly, um, Natalie. I want to play this <laughs> clip in, 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 you know, all fairness to Mr. Zakaria, so the audience can get uh, a listen to what he said. Let's roll this clip. In 2018, ByteDance, the Chinese company that owns TikTok, was forced to shutter a different app. The young tech-savvy CEO, Zhang Yimin, published a letter of self-criticism that read like a confession at a Stalinist show trial. Quote, I profoundly reflect on the fact that a deep level cause of the recent problems in my company is a weak understanding and implementation of the four consciousnesses of Xi Jinping. All along, we have placed excessive emphasis on the role of technology, and we have not acknowledged that technology must be led by the socialist core value system, unquote. I mean, I would have spent a little bit more time on it than that, but there's, there can be no doubting that he covered it. That's fine. So the, the, what I want to know here, Natalie, about Zakaria, and you mentioned just how much CNN has been involved with these conferences. You've got another story up going up today about Twitter, Facebook, and a Hunter Biden-linked AI firm um, tied to a Beijing tech conference as well. But uh, what I'm interested in here is, is Mr. Zakaria a good guy, a bad guy, an okay guy, an, a led astray guy? Like, why does he keep popping up on all of these boards and in all of these different entities and organizations? You mentioned the Bagruin Institute and its 21st Century Council. That's the organization that co-founded the war game that led to John Podesta. Viewers, if you don't remember this, you've got to go and look this up. The war game where John Podesta played Joe Biden and refused to give up control of the 
the U.S. government, refused basically to accept that he lost the election and, and took it to the courts and took it, you know, this is a war game they played. This is, Fareed Zakhar is sitting on the board of this organization that's doing this at the same time with a bunch of Chinese Communist Party members. So I don't get it. He goes up there and he puts, and, and that clip is perfectly fine. That's It's covering the story. It's mentioning the story perfectly fine. But then at the same time, what he isn't telling the CNN viewers or viewer is that, is that he's actually part of this whole thing, Natalie. Well, I would say that Fareed Zakaria is not an anomaly in the sense that all the establishment outlets and mainstream media organizations are doing the same thing, right? It's, it's a reincarnation of, of the cry that China would eventually become a responsible stakeholder in world affairs. And, and in the words of Xi Jinping, East, West, South, North, and Central, the party leads everything. And quote, fundamentally, China will never become the responsible stakeholder that our elites think it, it will become. And, and in fact, the, the only entity that Fareed Zakaria and his establishment uh, peers seem to be able to criticize are President Trump and his supporters, right? Uh, Fareed Zakaria is fine penning op-eds for the Washington Post entitled, quote, how the populist right is exploiting coronavirus. But then anytime President Trump slams China and the Chinese Communist Party for the information they withheld from the world at large and the World Health Organization regarding coronavirus, uh, Zakaria insists that that's blame, unfairly blaming China and scapegoating China. And, and frankly, that's the cardinal sin of the mainstream media and that they've kept Americans in the dark on, on the egregious human rights abuses, economic exploitation, and all the atrocities that the Chinese Communist Party has committed, which, which would be the single most valuable uh, transition in American society if everybody would wake up and realize truly how brutal and awful the Chinese Communist Party is. But again, the mainstream media is too far in bed yeah. and taking, really, frankly, too much money, sponsorship from outlets like CGTN. Yeah. N Natalie, we've got about um, 90 seconds here. Can you hold over the break and stay with us? Because I know Jack and Vish want to get in on this conversation as well. I've dominated it so far. My apologies, gentlemen. V Natalie, can you hold? Happily. Okay, fantastic. All right. Yeah. Um, the news that we're getting at the moment on the Joe Biden pick is, is rumor. And, uh, but I love live reporting rumor because it just builds the intrigue and builds the suspense. of so the rumor that we got, you heard me mention the name Harris. Um, earlier on in this segment, that's a rumor, and we're keeping an eye on that. Like I said, Fish, maybe it was a fake out all along. We'll see. Nothing confirmed yet. I don't believe, gentlemen, here in the war room. Nothing yet. Okay. Uh, just feel free to give me any guidance here, guys. Just staring blankly at me while I look down the camera lens. Okay. We're going to be. I love breaking news, and I love live news. So we're going to keep an eye on that over the course of the next uh, uh, couple of minutes. Here, we expect some sort of announcement if if it's going to be. It's already a little bit late, I guess. So if it's going to be uh, in uh, in a general sense on time. And by the way, later on today at 6 p.m. Eastern time, um, Natalie and I will be hosting a National Pulse town hall uh, for our members over at the National Pulse, which you can go uh, to the nationalpulse.com forward slash support if you want to get in on that. And we're doing one of those uh, private ones for our members every month on the National Pulse with Natalie and myself. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be right back in just a second. with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. 
Okay, gentlemen, I know we've got a, uh, we've got another live read to do, but I'm going to skip it this segment and do the next one because I want to bring in this information as quickly as possible here. You're back in the war room, ladies and gentlemen. Vishbura, Jack Maxi, Raheem Kassam. Natalie Winters joining us on the line. Producer Jack also in situ here, feeding us the live info. I don't know, did, did the audience know Producer Jack yet? This is a relatively new thing. So producer Jack's the new new producer taking over from producer Vish. Producer Vish is now just uh, what do you do anymore? I don't know. No, <laughs> just you know, looking sitting pretty. I think. All right, Vish. Yeah. So uh, the NBC News popped a story uh, about twenty minutes ago, basically saying the Biden campaign has already put the team in place for the vice president, comms director, spokesperson, policy advisor, et cetera, et cetera. That, that team is already in place, and they announced that ahead of this VP announcement. Now, the names that are, uh, uh, have been listed for this, for this team are Liz Allen, Sheila Nix, uh, Corinne, Corinne Jean-Pierre, Ryan, uh, and Ryan Montoya, and Amanda Perez. Now, uh, everyone except Amanda Perez has uh, explicitly worked for Obama and Biden in the previous years, but... Um, one specific uh, thing that I pulled that I noticed yeah, what's here, the tell here, Ryan Montoya is a veteran of the Obama White House and more recently the CTO for the NBA's Sacramento Kings, as in Sacramento, California. So, and so that's the that? capital. That's the capital of California. I would say that that is Kamala Harris. That's a Kamala person. That's a Kamala person. I, I have a little bit of insight on this, and I think I'll clear all this up for our audience. We're discussing who is going to be the next vice presidential candidate along with Biden, and clearly we have no idea. But just to make it also clear for the rest of the audience, Joe Biden has less of an idea of who his candidate is than we do. <laughs> he doesn't even remember what he had for breakfast this morning. He's going to be held by two elbows as he walks to the podium to announce who is going to be the next Democratic candidate for president, because as we all know, he is just standing there like a mannequin waiting for himself to be removed should he be elected to the highest office in the land. This, human beings, is utter and complete hypocrisy on the part of the Democratic Party. It is clear to anybody observing Mr. Biden that he is failing, as many of our elderly do, over time. He is a good man. I don't wish him anything bad. But this pretense that he is not in absolute freefall is just ridiculous and to watch these talking heads in the left-wing media pretend that he's all together is shameful in my mind i never know where you're looking when you're speaking into the mic you're just kind of like it's kind of at my chest like where <laughs> i look into the ether <laughs> did, that, that's my chest is it did, did anyone catch stelter's uh, segment this weekend on cnn where he's like oh you know the right-wing propaganda on you know speaking about biden's health is just out of control oh yeah I heard about vish that. vish if we're going to speak about brian stetler you have to use the brian stetler voice okay all right all right this is now this is now degenerated quickly we've got we've got a serious guest on the line with serious news that I know Jack you've got questions on Natalie Winters is the uh, senior reporter at the National Pulse and we're going to be expanding uh, the team over the next couple of months with very much with your, your guys help out there we're very grateful for everybody who's 
uh, pulling into support, even literally just going to the site um, is, is, is just so helpful, sharing it with your friends. To bring out more of these CCP stories and these, these useful idiot stories that we've got coming up, we've got a great story coming up today as well. Jack, I know you had a question. You wanted to dive into this a little bit with Natalie as well. Um, just before you do, a couple of, couple of programming notes that I wanted to clear up for you guys is uh, I mentioned the town hall we're doing later at 6 p.m. today. We're not using Zoom. Don't worry. We're not using Zoom. CCP link Zoom <laughs> didn't have a place anywhere near any of my uh, computers. Um, and the other thing is, Vish, um, in the live chat, uh, they say Vish brings the spice. So Spicy Vish is, I think, your new name here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Spicy Vish. Um, Natalie, I want to bring you back in now. <laughs> Jack, do you have a question? No, I was just going to say Natalie said, was talking about how our mainstream media operates like a running dog for the Chinese Communist Party. And I thought there was a big reveal last week when it was reported in the Washington Examiner that the New York Times was quietly removing the Global Times inserts mm -hmm. from their archived versions of the New York Times. So as we watch these people sort of try and obscure their past, we know there is something there. And I just want to give you a little support in that because I think that illustrated exactly what you were trying to say. So, Natalie, why don't you tell us a little bit about, but more about the story you've got coming up today on Twitter, I believe, Facebook, and a Hunter Biden linked AI firm? Yeah, it's called the Global Mobile Internet Conference, and it's been around since 2009. And it certainly subscribes to the idea that China and the United States need to collaborate more in the tech sector. Uh, but as the FBI and other government organizations have noted, that is a major red flag, whether it be intellectual property theft, espionage, or even the fact that most Chinese tech companies, not only can they be requisitioned by the Chinese government at any time for the country's uh, national intelligence law, but also many of uh, these tech companies such as China Telecom have been identified, even China Mobile have been identified by our own Department of Defense as collaborating with the Chinese military. So specifically this conference, uh, which as I, as I said has been going on for over a decade now, has enjoyed support, sponsorship, uh, and even exhibitorships from American companies like Twitter, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, even Tesla. Uh, and again, these entities are participating in this conference alongside companies which have either been banned by the Trump administration or are on track to be banned by the Trump administration, such as Tencent, Huawei. Uh, there's some other entities in there, which, again, the piece yeah. is forthcoming. But uh, equally concerning is that companies like Microsoft and Twitter, which have been billed as, as potential panaceas, to, to if they were to acquire ownership of TikTok, yeah. that then, oh, the CCP compromising links of the company would, would fade away and dissipate. Well, that's not the case because right. these companies are just as in bed with the Chinese Communist Party and as, Natalie, as the CCP's own companies are. Yes. Yeah, just before we let you go, I want to make sure that people know um, the Epoch Times dropped a story, I think it was yesterday or the day before, about how Microsoft isn't the panacea. Uh, but actually, you reported on that, well, I think it was uh, uh, August the 3rd, or maybe maybe a week ago on this. Just, just run us through that again very quickly, if you can. I don't know if you've got all those... Uh, uh, notes up in front of you about about all the things that Microsoft sure. has been doing, um, but it but it's not something the president of the United States should be 
should be compromising on, I don't think, because Microsoft has shown itself time and time again to be so far in hock to the Chinese Communist Party that they may well be, they may as well be ByteDance. They may as well write the same letter that the ByteDance CEO wrote. They may as well kowtow uh, to the Chinese Communist Party in the very same way via a letter or a medium post or whatever. I mean, Microsoft just as bad. If you're, if you're, if you're even going down there because of all this good governance and all of this stuff that we hear, corporate social responsibility, etc., they're worse. They've got more more uh, resources at their, in their hands. They're based in the United States. They employ people in the United States. They're on the U.S. stock exchanges, and they're still willing to bend the knee to communist China, Natalie. Yeah, Microsoft has participated in yet another Chinese Communist Party uh, funded and controlled conference, specifically focusing on artificial intelligence. Again, Huawei and Tencent were in attendance. Uh, even Bill Gates has actually worked alongside a Chinese state-owned nuclear firm, which has similarly been designated by the Department of Defense, is collaborating with the Chinese military and poaching American nuclear secrets. Uh, also, Microsoft also has a working relationship with the Berggruen Institute, which, as you said, Rahim, is running that shady transition integrity project uh, and also specifically works on their China initiative, which, again, their Understanding China conference has seen participation from Xi Jinping. Uh, and I think a really telling story that was released by the Chinese embassy to the United States and also distributed widely across Chinese state media, but it was a press release entitled Bill Gates Bat for China. And I think right there, that is the writing on the wall. That tells you what China thinks about Bill Gates. Uh, and specifically that he is on Team CCP. Well, Natalie, just tell our audience quickly where they can follow you. Uh, my Twitter is Natalie G. Winters. Fantastic. Natalie, again, great reporting. Thanks so much. We'll see you later for the live stream, the town hall for the, uh, for the yeah. National Pulse supporters and members. Uh, you can catch all that at thenationalpulse.com uh, forward slash support. Bill Clinton's trending, gentlemen, which I was thinking... That's not the BP pick. Um, and I thought to myself, oh, there's a, there's a Lolita Express joke in here somewhere. Uh, but actually, Bill Clinton is trending because of the picture of uh, Bill Clinton and Ghislaine Maxwell on the Lolita Express. Right, and, so, uh, and also they're basically releasing all the transcripts of her depositions day by day, drip, drip, drip. Yep. Uh, yep. Surprise, we found another Democrat president who is willing to tell lies in a bold-faced fashion. I mean, that's par for the course for Clinton. The guy could stand and look at the entire country and lie to our faces. Well, remember, he's never been to the island. <laughs> well, remember, we are, uh, we're awaiting the news. Um, so I just want to point, uh, just point out something. Can um, I reset? Yeah. We're awaiting the news on Joe Biden's vice presidential pick. Thank you. You're very welcome, Rahim. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, uh... Well, I also wanted to point out Karen Bass is actually also from California, so the oh. Sacramento, so the Sacramento thing can line up for either Kamala or uh, Bass. Now, one thing I do, I, I noticed the the DNC put out their schedule for notable speakers by night. Um, yeah. Whitmer, uh, Whitmer, and Klobuchar are on for Monday. Um, then we have uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren and Hillary uh, Hillary Clinton on Wednesday, and then on Thursday you have Duckworth and Harris as well. 
one name that's not anywhere in the speaker list is Karen Bass. So with Susan Rice, Su- uh, Susan Rice is not in there either. Come on, Vish. Um, neither, yeah, neither are in there. But those are the notable speakers that that were uh, that were mentioned by uh, Dan Marica. Give me some Susan Rice. All right, in this next uh, in this next segment, just before we. Uh, go for the day. I guess we maybe not gonna get that breaking news during the show. We'll see. Um, but I, man, I hate handing off breaking news to the next show. I love doing it myself. Um, you know, you want anything done right, you do it yourself, right? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Big fan of that mantra. I'm just kidding. Stick around on America's Voice, by the way, because all the shows all day absolutely great. And I hear they're gonna have a new show pretty soon, oh, which really? is gonna be phenomenal. What? It's called The National Pulse. I wonder who the host is. It's, it's, it's got to be somebody we know. <laughs> um, we're actually, we're actually. I think we are piloting that this week. Um, you got all the, you got all the producers now in Denver at Avian going. What we're doing? What? <laughs> um, I think we're piloting it on Thursday privately, and uh, then seeing how it goes, and then we'll, we, we may even be taking it live from next week. But Jack, I know you wanted to get to Portland and Chicago and a lot of the other stuff that's been going on here. We've got a minute here, and then the next segment's all yours. Well, we can kind of touch bases on it. You have the uh, police chief of Portland announced that she is uh, resigning last night. Or, excuse me, Seattle. 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 Announced that she is resigning last night because the city council voted to defund the police. They're going to fire 100 officers. They're reducing pay across the board. Now, at the last minute, they tried to cut a deal with her where they said they wouldn't cut her personal pay, but they'd cut the pay of all of her staff. Now, to her credit, obviously a woman with some moral courage, she said, go stuff it. Uh, and I think that the people of Seattle should start to follow the lead of what I believe has been a pretty squared away police chief who's had her uh, wrists locked together by the mayor and other forces. Remember, she was forced to abandon the police station not the other way around. So kudos to her. We'll get into more of that. What's going on around the country in just a second. Hashtag War Room Pandemic. Vishpur, Raheem Kassam, Jack Maxey return in just a moment. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, 2020 has been a gut punch for American business, and if you're going to succeed, you need every possible advantage. One big advantage is NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. Smart companies run on NetSuite because it gives you the visibility and control over your financials, your HR, your inventory, your e-commerce, and more. Everything you need all in one place. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in sales, NetSuite lets you manage every penny with precision. You'll have the agility to compete with anyone, work from anywhere, essentially run your whole company right from your phone. So join over 20,000 companies who trust NetSuite to make it happen. They surveyed hundreds of business leaders and assembled a playbook of the top strategies that are being used as America reopens for business. So you can get that free seven actions businesses need to take now, it's called, and schedule a free product tour while you're at it at netsuite.com slash Bannon. There's a free guide and a free product tour at netsuite.com slash Bannon. You're back in the war room for the Jack Maxi portion of this show. Handing over to you, Jack. Well, thank you, Raheem. Uh, I wanted to make another comment about Nancy Pelosi and the silence from the Democratic Party concerning these victims of the Communist Chinese Party, Communist Party of China's uh, attack on the freedom-loving people of Hong Kong. Yeah. 
just released now a statement by National Security Advisor Robert C. O'Brien. He says, we are deeply troubled by the arrest of Jimmy Lai, a Hong Kong businessman, publisher, and prominent pro-democracy advocate. Two of Jimmy's sons and several executives from his media company have also been arrested by Hong Kong authorities under the auspices of the national security law imposed by the Chinese Communist Party. Beijing's national security law denies the people of Hong Kong their fundamental rights and liberties and increases the Chinese Communist Party's control over Hong Kong's internal affairs. We stand with Jimmy Lai and his sons and colleagues and call on Beijing to repeal the national security law and restore Hong Kong's rule of law immediately. Now, sitting here, I'd like to see an even more forceful response, but at least from the administration, we have a response. We have support. We have people showing that they care. Nancy Pelosi, not a word. But remember, while she was negotiating the Hong Kong Security and Democracy Act last fall and she needed some cover, she was very happy to put a picture of herself up with her arm around Jimmy Lai at the, at the Capitol building and not a word from Nancy Pelosi, you running dog. Okay, now uh, let's cover some other things. We wanted to talk a little bit about the pandemic. I, I wanted like a mic drop or like the, the, the you know, the dancing I gotta, casket. I got I to get more sounds. Yeah. See, I'm the boomer here at this table, so I, I'm not up to date on everything that's going on at TikTok <laughs> like these quizlings. I have zero idea what's going on on TikTok, but I do want to hear what's going on with the pandemic, with the vaccine, with hydroxy and with opening schools. Well, listen, I think one of the things that we have to be very clear about when it comes to opening the schools, and I wish that Dr. Burks or Dr. Fauci or Dr. Redfield would actually give us a clear answer. It is very opaque as to how many children have actually died from this uh, awful disease given to the world by the Chinese Communist Party. But everything that I can look at shows that it's under 100 nationwide in each of the last five years the cdc has reported above 150 american children dying from tested influenza infections so let's say perhaps and this number is not perfectly clear because again the cdc won't tell us and you have to ask why it looks like between 50 and 100 american children may have been harmed and died from this awful disease. And without in any way uh, denying the powerful impact that those deaths have on their family and loved ones, when one does compare it to the seasonal flu, one begins to ask the question, why are we not opening up these schools? It is really, in many ways, becoming ridiculous. And I know that I took a lot of heat from my war room peers for months and months about supporting Sweden and supporting the idea that there's an inevitability about this virus and that the lockdowns probably aren't going to work. I stand by that. And now we have Sweden being lauded around the world as the model for oh, how this should have been done. Uh, lauded around the world. I mean, the Daily, by, Ma the Daily Mail is now supporting them. They spent three months hammering them. The Daily You've Mail now got multiple, multiple doctors who are now looking at Sweden and saying I don't doubt they for did a it right. I Sweden has the same level of immunity as New York City, but let's compare the death rates. I don't doubt for a second that there are some people who claim that Sweden did it right. There will also be a lot of people who declare that Sweden did it wrong. 
And there will also be, I think, well, I, I think I'd be, I'd be, about all this, way, this I'd be happy to debate anybody who wants to say Sweden did it wrong. So take your best shot, Raheem. Well, if you had told me we were going to get into that with two minutes left to go to the end of the show, then I would have prepared. But we can do it because here's my position. My position is that there was no right or wrong in this scenario, right? There was no playbook here in this scenario. One, one set of people did it one way. The other set of people did it the other way. And here's the thing. Here's the dirty little secret about it all. The places that have done the worst in the United States and the, the rationale that has led to the worst uh, results in the United States are for political reasons we ended up in those positions. You look at what's going on in New York City. You look at the latest Associated Press story from this morning. Cuomo should be in jail. He should be in prison. Second that. Given how much, what damage he's done with the nursing no. homes. And now we know we don't even know the true nursing home data. And the tale of the tape on uh, Cuomo and Zuckerman, I think, is his uh, head of healthcare. Zucker. Zucker. You got to remember, in 2017, they decided not to buy the number of ventilators that they were supposed to buy under the state plan. Right. And yeah. they said, eh, well, it's a lot of money, and, you know, we probably don't have enough people to operate them. Well, so these guys weren't prepared from day one. They've been bellyaching and crying. There's 6,000 dead from their, from their nursing homes, and it's probably double that number because, as we now know, we actually we've known here in this room and our audience has known, that they've been fudging the numbers. Right. If you got sick at the nursing home and were sick enough to be hauled to a hospital in an ambulance and you died at the hospital, you didn't get counted as a nursing home death. So what we're going to find out at the end of the day, the tale of the tape, the history will tell who did it better and who did it worse. New York was one of the worst examples on planet Earth. They have a death rate that is only exceeded by New Jersey yeah. and not exceeded by any other countries on planet Earth. Well, well done, Northeast. It sounds like uh, New York State's government's issues are systemic. All right, the breaking news is the vice presidential Joe Biden, uh, the, the vice presidential nominee from Joe Biden is going to be... Revealed later on in the day, I guess, because we didn't get the news during the show, as was the plan. Hashtag War and Pandemic returns tomorrow, 10 a.m. with the whole team. And you. See you then.